This is episode five of the Sudden Wealth Podcast, brought to you by Sudden Wealth Protection Law, a proud provider of proven, effective legal strategies for preventing your kids from blowing their inheritance and for helping you if you're dealing with a financial windfall. Now, to see if you qualify for the strongest, most comprehensive wealth protection available, just visit SuddenWealthProtectionLaw.com and sign up to talk to an attorney. And please do that after you listen to this episode because you'll love what you're about to learn. Now at Sudden Wealth Protection Law, we know that you want your heirs to have the same work ethic and drive that you do. And if you have recently had a financial windfall, such as an inheritance, you want to make good choices and to feel understood. In order for that to happen, you need guidance that you can trust and the support of a community of people who understand you. The problem is, when it comes to getting professional help in this area, you have no guarantee that someone who advertises as helping people with sudden wealth or sudden money has any actual experience. Now, we believe that everyone deserves competent professional help when it comes to protecting, managing, and growing money, your personal wealth. We understand what it's like to be the target of greed, jealousy, and resentment just because you have some money. I personally inherited $14 million from my father and blew most of it because the only people who seemed to care about my emotions and my emotional needs turned out to be con artists, frankly. They won my trust and I lost millions. That's why I became a certified family wealth advisor and why I've started this law firm, Sudden Wealth Protection Law. Now, although sudden wealth is central to our discussions, we will also be exploring other fascinating and important topics such as how to find happiness, how to develop a healthy self-esteem, the psychology of money, business succession planning, managing a business, finding advisors that you can trust, just to name a few. Now, in this episode, Michael Zalno shares what it was like for him to grow up with parents who were Holocaust survivors and how that impacted his ability to manage the money that he inherited from them. Now, I know in other introductions, I've listed three key insights that you'll learn I don't want to do that. I feel like it would cheapen his story. So I'll just say that the theme of the discussion is that we all come to the situation of sudden wealth with our own circumstances. And those circumstances can drive us to make financial decisions that sometimes we regret. So lean forward and listen carefully because this episode could have a significant impact in your future financial success. So here we are with the Sudden Wealth Podcast, and again, we have Mike Zalno and Alexandra Fleming. How are you both doing? Okay. (laughs) Well, good. Well, good. I wanted to have you, Michael, tell your story about growing up and how you kind of relate to this topic. Okay. Well, where I'm different than, than maybe you are is that we talked about if you're going to assess people, and I'm a big, you know, when people talk about the sudden wealth syndrome, they talk about like it's absolutes. The reality, most of us come to the situation already dealing with, to some degree, things like how self-confident we are, who we are, where do we belong, et cetera. So for me, setting up, if I were to assess people, I look at, has something changed for you? I come to things differently in that I could show you. I mean, in terms of where I belong, before I came to the United States, my little identity card read stateless. (laughs) And I'm not too sure in my head that that's ever changed. 
mm. in terms of where I belong. Okay. And because both of my parents were concentration camp survivors. Yeah. So I obviously grew up in a house where traumatic stress disorder was the norm. The people that they knew when they were young, that they hung out with, were all, you know, similar background. So I hung, you know, I grew up around people where post-traumatic stress disorder was the norm. Hmm. So from what I understand, that stuff can't, does get passed down. I've spoken with some Vietnam vets in a group and told them that one of the things they needed to do was to deal with it so they wouldn't pass it down to their children. So I came to, with that, not knowing where I belonged, I, I think you brought up the point of trying to define where you belong, right? Yeah. And so when I did inherit some money from my parents, it was a few hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I did do some good things with it. I paid off debt. That's always a good thing, right? When you're 20 some percent to credit card companies, whatever money I use, there's no, I can't think of very many investments that are guaranteed 25% a year. Right. Paid off debt. I gave some money to my daughter who has some medical issues. We went and bought a little bit of furniture. I went and we bought a new car. My wife's old car was uh, starting to be in the repair shop every few weeks. And we figured at my age, being in my mid-70s, that a new car made sense, probably the last one we're ever going to buy. So I figured that was okay. But then we helped our son out who had some issues around. It's the best way to describe it. He tried to save someone, tried to save a woman who lied to him at every opportunity she had. And in some ways, uh, she he. She conned him and we got conned in, because of the overall situation in helping him out. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it's your kid, right? Yeah. So it was hard to properly handle it. I do have a question about yeah. kind of this situation and maybe Paul can kind of shed some light on this. So you said that one of the first things that you did was like turn around and pay off some debt and buy a couple of little things for yourself and like get a new car, right? So when you have someone who is in this situation, Paul, what would you recommend? Because I feel like if you were to immediately say, hey, don't spend a single dime, would that necessarily like be a little bit even more triggering all of a sudden for their mental state? Or would you suggest, hey, here's a little bit of money that we can use to help you feel a little bit safer in the world that you've got now? Like if you have some debt or if you need a new vehicle, like what are the parameters there that you would recommend that they follow? Yes, you went right to it. And it's not an absolute thing, but for sure, they should set aside a good chunk of it to keep safe, mm -hmm. uh, basically to not make a major decision about a good portion. And then, yeah, of course, paying off debt and some other things. And, and of course, so there's going to be probably, uh, I don't know, paying off a car. There, you know, there's going to be things they're going to want to buy. They've always wanted to buy this or that. And now they have the money, so that's fine. But if they keep going down that path, you know, pretty soon is, I don't know, pretty soon the money can be gone. Kind of like what Michael's talking about. Yeah. Now it's, it's different if you're doing a point for that then like what would you recommend is like the hard limit. <laughs> well, I asked Paul the question, what would I, well, what would you do different paying to me paying off debt that we were paying between 25 and 30% a year on I think made sense because in sure. the law, you know, we got that money back quickly. And yeah. if you think about what it takes to pay off credit cards, that almost acts like a reverse annuity in the sense I didn't have to pay a thousand or two thousand a month in credit card bills. Yeah. So it allowed, okay, the car, we didn't buy anything fancy, but these days cars aren't cheap. And the idea we bought a car we figured could last 10 or 12 years, where if I had it to do over again, 
would have been finding a way to say no to my son. And that's not an easy thing to do. But if we had said no there, that was money that was thrown away in the sense it didn't do anyone any good. Yeah. Okay. And part of it was out of guilt in the sense that we found out early on he was legally blind. Mm -hmm. And so it became difficult figuring out how do you draw a line? I also went and invested. I thought I invested in a business idea I had, which while it didn't involve super money, it still involved enough money that I can remember waking up one morning, going in the in the room where I was working on all this stuff. I was selling paper items on eBay, et cetera. So I bought a whole bunch of stuff. It wasn't just a dollar amount because I had to commit to a storage space and I had to commit the time to sell it, which means it would take me away from doing other things. And every time I went into that room, it reminded me of what I had done. Hmm. And so if I were to give someone advice, I think most financial people would agree Paying off bills does make sense because it relieves that there's anxiety around bills this month. So it's a matter of then of creating a budget and either paying it off or accelerating the payment. I think this is where a financial person can come in, whether you turn your money over to an account or someone with fiduciary responsibilities who writes checks and right. gives an allowance. Right. So, Alexander, you asked a question about some kind of rule or, or well it doesn't have to be even like a hard fast rule but like a guideline yeah guideline listen we're kind of making this up because no one talks about this stuff so i'm not a huge believer in absolutes if a person is wanting it, it really depends on the personality like what what they would typically want to do with the money if they're if they're like really wanting to just spend it on personal things and that would be a different approach if they're like me and thinking that they're going to learn how to do private equity deals, like quickly, in, like, you know, just immediately get into being a successful private equity investor, I would tell myself to save half of it. And then I can invest the other half and I can kind of go into a competition with the investment company that's safely investing 50%. And then I can aggressively try to you know beat the return. And if, as what happened, I end up losing it because I get into just shoddy investments like oil wells in Texas back when the around right before the price of oil starts coming down and right before they discover oil in North Dakota. That was one example of something that didn't work out. Anyway, I don't think that there are really absolutes per se. It really depends on the individual situation. But you know, for sure, I guess the question is, what would you really hate? What amount would you be okay with if this is all you had in five years? That's the one question. If this is all you had, you know, just, you know, forget all your hopes and, you know, all your plans of, you know, making big bucks and investments and you're going to do a new business and all this kind of stuff. Let's just pretend everything goes wrong. The government collapses, like everything that can freaking go wrong goes wrong. And what's the one thing that you would like to have in five years? And start from there. And for, it sounds like just from my perspective, because this has that happened to me, but just observing the conversation between you guys, it sounds like you both were able to like pay off your debts and kind of get that little bit of sense of security and footing under you. And then all of a sudden it was the investment part and the like trying to make it bigger or trying to help people out. That's where the breaks needed to be applied, where somebody needed to come in and say, hey, let's think this through. Let's talk it out. Let's see if we can discover other avenues to pursue. And that like, it seems like that's where the hangup might be. Well, for me, 
as I said, it was trying to figure out, I mean, one of these days, I'm going to grow up and figure out what I want to do with my life. I'll be 74 in a few weeks. And I think that was part of it. And that's like that identity crisis thing that Paul was well, talking about. But again, this is something that for me, it didn't start when I inherited that money. It, that money sort of made it possible to make a, a what turned out to be another mistake. What, what you know, Being true to oneself, you have to know what oneself is. Okay. And this is in part, maybe again, growing up in the house I grew up in, never quite knowing what do my parents really expect of me? And I never got a clear message. And I realized that what they wanted from me was undoable. They wanted their families and that wasn't doable. So it wasn't, there wasn't anything I could do to make them happy. And I think children, I think Paul, you mentioned this, and I think that um, throughout your degree, children grow up to some extent, trying to make make their parents happy, right? Yeah. Whether that means getting good grades, whether it means learning to play a musical instrument, going to a certain school, profession, et cetera. And as long as the messages are clear and consistent, you might just be able to do it. But when they're inconsistent and what you're expected to do is undoable, then you can't win, Right. Yeah, that makes sense. You, Paul, you mentioned when you finally met your real father, did you ever get a clear message from him about what he might want from you? Did, that probably never, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying I to. Mean, no, really, we were only allowed to have one afternoon together before he started really declining in health. So we had, that was my lifelong experience with him was an afternoon. Yeah. And I mean, the only thing kind of remotely related to what you're saying is he said at one point that you have the wrong name or you have the wrong last name. Like it, you know, should have been his name, Weist. Anyway, so, you know, I mean, it's some, yeah, there's no going back with that well, because that I, I've already right. named my two kids Irish first names. Delari is an Irish name. I've already right. pretty much planted the flag there. So, and I did consider changing my last name, but then I was thinking how how screwed up would that make my kids? But, you know, they're the only ones in the family with my last name. It will, and then again, what you're doing is something that I learned is that you're, you're passing on trauma yeah. to them rather than trying to figure out how not to pass on the trauma to them. Absolutely. Not a gift. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And so actually along that lines, for any of the listeners who haven't read the book that I'm coming out with, there's a whole story to this, but what I finally done is again, I, I'm a Delari. My kids are Delaris. We're Irish and German. It's good. The new law firm has the Irish tartan, uh, the official Delari of Scottsdale tartan. Yes, official Delari of Scottsdale tartan. And I'm just owning it. And for Christmas this last year, I gave Irish presents to the kids just, you know, to say, I talked to them about it. You know, I said, listen, I've had. I've been a little bit ambiguous about this in the past, and I'm sorry about that. I had my own things to work through. You're Delauries, you have Irish names. I'm a Delauri, and it's good. And I gave them, you know, things that they can keep and cherish in the future. So I'll um, have to wear my Ranger shirt one of these days. I have relatives in Scotland. Part of my father's family, one of his uncles that he never knew, went to Scotland in, in about 1906, 1907. Uh-huh. So, and Jewish folks in Scotland were Stuart Plaid when they okay. get, and they get piped in. Yeah. Okay. Well, very Interesting. good. Interesting. Very good. Well, okay. So why don't we call it good for this episode and we will see everyone next time. <laughs>
So let's do a quick review of this episode. Michael Zalno shares what it was like to grow up with parents who were Holocaust survivors and how that impacted his ability to manage the money that he inherited from them. The theme of the discussion was that, frankly, we all come to the situation of an inheritance or whatever the sudden wealth deal is with our own baggage, with our own circumstances. And those circumstances can drive us to make financial decisions that we sometimes regret. So speaking of reviews, before we end the episode, I would really like it if you would go to SuddenWealthProtectionLaw.com forward slash iTunes and type in your biggest takeaway or aha moment that you experienced during the episode. You can do this now in the review section. And when you do it, iTunes will ask you to rate this episode. I hope we've earned five stars. Have we? I sure hope so. And actually, if we haven't, please let me know because I want to figure out how to make these podcasts better. I want these to be useful. So go ahead, declare your one big takeaway in the iTunes review section by visiting SuddenWealthProtectionLaw.com forward slash iTunes. It'll just take a few minutes out of your day and what you declare could provide you a lifetime of learning. Okay, so that does it for this week. I'm attorney Paul DeLauri, and I hope our paths cross again next week for the Sudden Wealth Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you understand the psychology of money so that you can better protect, manage, and grow your money, both now and for future generations. Do whatever it takes to join me next week because we'll be discussing the topic of how to stop settling for what you don't like in your life, what you don't want in your life. I encourage you to invite a friend or bring a study buddy. I can't wait to connect with you then. All good wishes. 